0: Amen. Before we pray and get into the message, I want to commend you on your maturity. Now, that doesn't mean we're mature in every way, but in one particular aspect, the series of messages and really the direction that we've been going in for quite a while is not a comfortable message. And, 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 and there's some people that have not liked it, and, and I'm sure they've, they've left and go somewhere else, and that's okay. But I'm getting such f- strong feedback from people. And you're hearing things that are, that, that are not kindergarten Christian teachings. Because I believe God's calling us to a level. In fact, as we were going through worship, I, God often speaks to me more clearly in worship than any other times, and that makes sense. Um, that that we're, we're, we're waiting for a great outpouring of the Spirit. We're looking for it. We need, this nation needs a, another great awakening. And some of the great awakenings we've had before started in New England and in this whole Northeast area. So there are prophecies about it. There have been many prophecies over this church of what God's, God show me what He wants to do here in a very very clear and powerful way. And what, well, where is it? And it's just as I said a few minutes earlier, because we, one of the scriptures that's quoted so often in, in, in praying for revival is, is, um, is if my people are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, and then we go on to and God will hear their land. But we miss the middle part and turn from there. God's waiting on us. We're not waiting on God. Peter talks about that before the Lord comes, the church is going to be under judgment. Now, judgment doesn't mean condemnation. The judgment means a critical eye from God's Word of where we really are and what needs to change. So, the things that God's dealing with us about now, the things that God's dealing with me about now, the things that God's dealing with, wants to deal and is dealing with us about now, is to prepare us so God can do in us and through us together what he wants to do. So, he's straightening the house up. Not so much with outer things, but with inner things. But what's blessing me is so many people that I'm hearing from. Are 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 not enjoying it because it's not enjoyable, but are are grateful for it because people want to hear the truth. Yes. Pastor Michael shared with me early this week. He was at a at a, he did a funeral for someone else, and 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 somebody from another culture came to him, and said, "I've been watching your pastor on television." And I'm getting so much out of this series and was repeating back to things. And Pastor Michael's comment to me, isn't it wonderful how this message is cross-cultural? Well, it's God's gospel is cross-cultural. Truth is cross-cultural. Because culture, culture is our understanding. God doesn't see us culturally. God sees us as lost or saved. God sees us on the inner, inner man. So I'm saying that to commend you because, because and to understand, you know, I mean, when I met with the elders and said, this is the way I'm going, I know God's telling us to go this, and, and it was Gordon Udall turned to me and said, well, Pastor, what if, what if it means we get down to 40 people? And I said, I'm, I'm going to go with what God's telling us to do. How people respond to it's up to them, but I don't believe that's what's going to happen. So I'm saying that because to commend you, because the fact that you're responding, the fact that you're listening, and some of you may still be struggling with it, but you're here, all right? The Bible talks about in the last days, and I believe we are, many are going to be deceived because they're chasing after itching ears. They want to choose what they listen to based on what makes them feel good. And believe me, in the body of Christ, there's many teachings out there right now that will make you feel good. But where's it taking you? What's it doing for you? Is it maturing you? Is it strengthening you for what is to come? You'll be blessed by Rob Grenley when he came because I was so blessed because God was birthing this in me a year or so ago. It was two years ago. And he came. He just happened to be in town and he just called me up and I said, you know, why don't you preach tonight? And it was a Wednesday night, I think. And he preached on exactly what we're talking about now. He said, God's looking for people among His people that are willing to take up their cross to deny themselves and to follow me. Some of you remember that message. So God has confirmed this in so many ways. So just, here we go. So let's pray. That, was the, that wasn't the introduction yet. That was just, my heart is just so filled with this. God's doing so many wonderful things in my life and in my family. And, in, and He's doing them in the church. And He wants to do it for all of us together. So Father, we thank You for how good You are. Oh Lord, the cross is the measure of Your love for us. May that become more and more real to us as we look into your word and we see what you've done. For the love of God's been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. You've proven your love to us and you put your love for us in our hearts by the Holy Spirit's presence in us. That he would open the eyes of our understanding to see what it is you've done for us on the cross. When we, At the right time when we were without strength, you sent your Son to die for us for your enemies, you bore our sins. You bore the penalty and the cost for our sins in your sinless Son so that you might redeem us. And Lord, you've called us to take up our cross and to follow Jesus. And so we're here today to continue to learn how to do that in our everyday life, in the choices that we make, in the, in the things that we say, in the things that we do. But we need your help. But We thank you that we're not helpless, we're not without help, because you've given us the great helper to live inside of us, the Holy Spirit, to help us to see, to help us to hear, and to enable us to follow through on what you're calling us to do. So we look to him right now. We look to him because your word says, eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, nor has it entered into the hearts of men, all that God has prepared for those who love him. But your spirit's been given to us to search the depths of the Father's heart to reveal those things to us and today we ask for the Holy Spirit to do just that to take the word, the word that's written on these pages the word that's written in our hearts, the word you're writing in my heart and to breathe life into our hearts through these words and for that we give you thanks in Jesus name we thank you Father that everything you say to us and everything you do to us is out of and because you love us beyond anything we can begin to imagine And so we trust you, and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, what we're talking about is the simplicity. I love what that song was that we just heard from Danny Goekly. Go back to ground zero. It's the simplicity that Paul tells at one point, he says, I'm concerned for you, Corinthians, the serpent has deceived you from the simplicity of the gospel. It is so simple. We complicate it to avoid it in many cases. And the simplicity is of what, and we talked about this in the beginning, there's so many distractions out there of things we should be doing and things not doing, and how do I do this? And, And the Lord just took me back to the very simple thing of what He called us to do in the very beginning. Come, follow me. Not my doctrine, not a church, not an organization, not a policy. It's a personal relationship. I'm calling you, you, come follow me. And He calls each of us individually and that's all he says at the beginning and then we saw that let's put up Matthew um, the first scripture there Matthew 16:24. this is our signature scripture Jesus but then later on what we see here in Matthew 16 is Jesus now begins to explain to them what that's going to evolve in the beginning he doesn't because he required them to step out in faith simply because he said follow me he wants us to stake that first step simply trusting him because he says come But now he begins to explain to them what this means. Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him do two things. Number one, deny himself. We talked about that already. That doesn't mean kill yourself. It doesn't mean cease to exist. It doesn't mean destroy your personality. It doesn't mean hide in a monastery. What it means is to deny yourself the right to act, think, and speak as if you live separate outside of Christ. Because if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. We spend a lot of time going over the fact that you are in Christ. And therefore, because you're in Christ, everything you do or see has to be seen in Christ. And through him, it changes how you see people you don't like because you have to see them in him. It changes how you talk to people you don't want to talk to because you have to do. I had to do a situation yesterday that was difficult for me to do. And what gave me the strength and the peace to do it is instead of doing it on my own, I did it in Christ. And the power and the ability and the peace was there to do it. So it's a daily exercise. But then the next thing he says, that's not enough. You've got to take up his cross and follow me. We talked about that. Both of these sound scary until we realize the one who's calling us to do this loves us more than we'll ever begin to. He's already paid his life for us. So he's not calling us into something that's going to hurt us. He's calling us to something that ultimately is going to be a blessing to us. But the biggest blessing is that through us, he's going to be able to bless others. But then we began to notice Jesus doesn't say, take up my cross... He says, take up your cross. Which implies that there's a cross for each one of us, and it may not be the exact same cross. That does not mean that every one of us is going to get scourged, physically nailed to a piece of wood, and hung up naked publicly in front of everybody. There were some of those disciples that that's happened to, and there are many that something like that's happened to, but that's that's because that's what God called them to do. But taking up your cross is what He's called us to do. Taking up my cross now the cross and the denying ourselves and the cross and we have to keep coming back to this is simply a function of following him because to follow him we have to go where he goes to follow him we do what he did so one of the things that this eliminates is that your cross is not sickness and disease cancer is not your cross to bear because Jesus didn't bear cancer. He didn't bear sickness and disease. So Jesus bore some things as a substitute for us, so we don't have to go through that. He bore our sicknesses and carried our diseases, but He never tells us to bear them. But He also bore some things as an example of how we are to bear them. So persecution, the rejection that he went through, Jesus said if they've rejected me, they're going to reject you, so Jesus said there are some things I've gone through, you're going to have to go through, and I'm your example of how to go through it, so the cross he's talking about is not sickness or disease, it's not some calamity in your life that's causing you to suffer, we talked about the first thing it is, is persecution, persecution, and it's persecution not because you've been nasty to somebody at work it's persecution because you're identified with Christ because when you're identified with him people will treat you exactly the what they think of him yes. and so that's why the early disciples rejoiced when they were rejected because it showed that there, it was evidence that they were identified with Christ and they'd rather be identified with Christ than identified with the world so the first thing it means is persecution and rejection and we may talk more about that down the road but then the next thing it has to do with, it has to do with how, we, and see, those are things that, you know, other of our brothers and sisters in other parts of the world are dealing with that today. And, and although the climate for Christians has changed here and changing, it's, we're not at the point where we're afraid that the police are going to come in here and arrest us today because we're gathering in the name of Christ. That day could come. So if that day comes, this whole series is preparing us for that. In case that comes. But even if it doesn't come, we need to walk this path out because he called us to follow him regardless of it. So, the consequence of following him is that we're going to take up our cross. But we're going to discover today that you encounter crosses every day. But we don't think of them as crosses because where God's, we run into crosses is with each other. And you get up in the morning, and you roll over and you say, good morning dear, you may run into a cross you have to bear. In our relationships together, we bump into each other. This is why God said to Adam, it's not good for you to believe alone. I've said this many times, I don't believe Adam was lonely. How could he be lonely? He was a man, he had everything he wanted to do, and you know, he didn't have to answer anybody except God. And God said it's not good to be alone. So God took half of him out, and now said, get along. He took half of him out, so they don't see things the same way, they don't experience things the same way, they don't relate to things the same way, and God says, good, now get along. Because in having to get along with somebody, if you live by yourself, you don't have to grow, unless you argue with yourself. But it's when you live in relationship with people that may not agree with you. They may agree with you, but you may have trouble communicating. It's funny, because it would have been 50 over 52 years. And so many times now in the car lately, we're just talking in the car going somewhere, and we'll start laughing and realize we have, we're not talking about the same thing at all. We've been talking for 20 minutes about something, and it's not the same thing at all. I realize, no wonder we had trouble early on. We don't know how to hear each listen to each other. <laughs> now, we've grown, because there's a time when we wouldn't have laughed at that. We've already gotten upset at that. But it's just funny. It's like, <laughs> no wonder we don't understand each other. We're not even talking about the same thing. And that's after 52 years. (laughs) So, we're going to learn how to take up our cross as we relate to one another. And then what we're going to grow from this is we're going to learn another week or so how to take up our cross when we relate to the world. But if we can't do this with each other, And we have the same spirit living inside of us. And we at least agree on some basic things like Jesus is Lord. I hope we agree on that. And that He loved us and died and paid for our sins and we need to be born again. If, If we who agree on those basic things still have trouble relating to one another, how are we ever going to do this with the world? So we've got to begin with each other. And we're going to see as we go down the road, that song was so right. You can't love God and not love people. But it's not the love most people think. That's right. And that's what we're going to begin to learn today. So we spent some time last time, several weeks ago actually, because it was, it was Chris last week, and we were away the week before, and Pastor Michael did that, so it was three weeks ago. We, we talked, That's what I'm talking a little more about, to kind of bring us back into focus. Um, we talked at the beginning about this, is to understand who we are together. And Paul often brought his corrections to the churches by spending the first half of his letter reminding them of who they are, who they are in Christ, and what does that mean? How we relate to one another. And we saw that that Jesus is the vine, and we're the branches. But because if you're not a branch, you're not saved. You're in Him, or you're not. And so, it, but if we're both, if we're all branches of the same vine, then our relationship with each other is only through the vine. Just like the relationship of the branches and the trees in our yard is only through the trunk of the tree. So we can't separate ourselves from each other. So my relationship with you is only through Christ, and your relationship with me is only through Christ. And see, that takes me out of the issue. I can't love you because I like you and you look nice. I've got to love you because Christ loves you. Because I'm in Christ, I have to love you. Not because I'm made to. Because if I'm in Him and He loves you, then I have to love you because I'm in Him. Otherwise, I'm denying myself. I'm not denying myself. I'm seeing myself. So when I refuse to love somebody that's in Christ, I'm separating myself from Christ. Because Christ loves them so much, He gave His life for them, and I'm saying, I don't like you, and I don't love you, and therefore I am literally stepping outside, I'm not saying you don't go to heaven, I'm stepping outside of Christ, and I'm relating to somebody on my own issues, with my own thinking, and that's what He meant when He said, deny yourself that right. I don't have the right to be angry at you, we're going to learn that about today. I don't have the right to judge you by my own standards. I don't have that right if I'm in Christ, I can only look at you through Christ's eyes. And you can only look at me through Christ's eyes. Amen. That's what he's saying. But now let's get down to, that's great to hear in church and say, yes, pastor, amen, but how do we apply that in our life? Because this only will impact us if we become doers of the Word and not just ameners only, hearers only. Okay. So we're going to look at four different areas. We, 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 we're gonna, I'm going to try to get through two of them today. And I may not, because the first one is, is, the, is the foundation. <laughs> or that is funny. This first one is the simplest one, the most foundational one, but we most, most of us stumble over this all the time. And you may not think of this in relation to a cross, but as I was going through this and studying this year, this just jumped out in bold relief at me. So the first way we encounter a cross that we're to bear is forgiveness. I knew that would go over big. (laughs) Now understand this. We sang about the cross. We rejoiced in the cross. The cross has the final word. But here's what the cross is. The cross is where the innocent Son of God took the rebukes, the insults, the spitting in His face, the plucking of His beard, the mocking of His royalty, the rejection by the religious leaders. And that's before He went to the cross. Let alone the pain of the nails. Let alone sin of the world being put on Him. Let alone dying and going into hell and facing all the ravages of Satan in hell. And He did that, not because He deserved any of it. He did it for all of us who deserved what He took. The innocent Lamb bore our sins and the penalty for us because He loved us. The nature of God's love is to redeem those that don't deserve it. The nature of God's love is to say, the only way I can redeem your life, because you are as guilty as sin, literally. You are as guilty, you're, you're more guilty than you realize. And under the judicial system of heaven, you deserve the eternity of suffering in hell. You earned it yourself the first time you opened your mouth probably <laughs> the attitudes of our heart see I struggled with this because I thought I was a good person some of you I knew was going to go to hell but I thought I was a good person <laughs> And what I didn't realize is the pride in that what I didn't realize is the real issue isn't whether I smoked or drank or you know and those things they're bad for you they're not good don't do them all right But the real root of sin is self. Even now I discover some of the root of my love for God is what He does for me. Even our our, our good deeds are so often motivated by what it means about me, well, I've been good today. That's selfish. That's self-centered. That's not doing our good deeds because we love God with all our heart. That's I love me with all my heart and I hope God likes what I just did and approves of what I just did. So it's so deeply rooted in us that we can't get it out ourselves. Romans 5 says, At the right time, God sent His Son, sinless Son, to bear our sin and the penalty for our sin on Himself so that we might be set free who don't deserve it who deserve everything He took that's what we deserved and He took what we deserved and gave us what He earned because Jesus's righteousness was not because He was the Son of God that's before He came to earth but Jesus's righteousness for those 33 years was because He perfectly obeyed the law. He earned his righteousness. And then he took what he earned and gave, took what you earned and I earned on himself and gave to us freely what we did not deserve but he earned for us. That's the heart of God's love and I was meditating on that I realized that's the essence of forgiveness before we do that let me just get into some background here the basic principle this is all in the notes the basic, by, by the way if you downloaded the notes last night you ought to download them again because I made some changes in them the basic principle, and you should, if you have the means, be looking at these notes, because I lay everything out in here, and I, it's a lot of work, but I do it because I want you to take this home with you, not just here and say, well, wow, that was good, boy, to begin to apply it in our lives. So the Scriptures are in here. The basic principle of the cross is that by taking on Himself the penalty for someone else's sin, the innocent one delivered the guilty and redeemed their lives. This is acted out in our lives by forgiveness. The world relates to one another, listen carefully, based on what's right and what's deserved. So the essence of when we get offended at somebody, usually, is because they did something to hurt us, and I'm right, they hurt me. And and I may even be right what they did, they were wrong, and I'm right. And they refuse to admit they're wrong. This is something so often in marriages. Well, I'll forgive you if you admit you're wrong. And so the issue to us in our relationships is who's right or what's been done to me? What's been done to me? And this is how the world thinks. This is what we were indoctrinated as human beings until we came into the family of God, until we were born again and God's nature was now put in us. So God's nature doesn't work that way. Aren't you glad? But we, have to, we are changed or transformed by the renewing of our mind. We have to begin to think the way God's nature in us thinks. You follow me? So this is in you. The love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. But it's learning to be change how we think about one another, how we think about ourselves. So the world relates to one another based on what's right and what's deserved. So when someone does wrong to us, they deserve our anger and reject because they hurt me. They wronged me. So they deserve... I may not get angry and throw things at them, but I shut them off. And they deserve that because they hurt... I'm right and they're wrong. They've done something to me. And so I have a right to treat them this way because... They've done something to me. This is how the world thinks. This is what we're indoctrinated with. And, and we'll consider forgiving them, but they have to come to us and ask for forgiveness and they have to admit that they were wrong. Because if they don't admit they're wrong, I'm not going to forgive them. Well, I'm going to stick this in there. So, you know, you know, your mind goes for well, but in order for God's forgiveness, we have to admit we were wrong. Yeah, but He paid for your forgiveness before you ever admitted it. When He when you confess your sin is not when He forgives you. That's got to sink into somebody. When He forgives you, listen carefully. When you ask, when you confess your sin to him is not when he forgives you. It's when you receive and accept the forgiveness he paid for 2000 years ago. So I can forgive somebody that doesn't ask me to forgive them because it keeps my heart right towards them. I told you this going to be popular. But this is, this is critical. Listen, This is critical to your health. One of the biggest reasons Christians are sick is because we're not walking in this. First Corinthians 11, Paul talking about communion. And you don't hear this preach much, although I preached it several times. He says, the reason many of many of you are sick and some have... It's going to sleep. Died. It's because you've not rightfully discerned the body of Christ. Not just the element you're eating, but that's to remind you of who we are together. That we are together, the body of Christ. And when I walk in strife with one of you or you walk in strife with me or I hold something against somebody in the body of Christ, I am opening a door to Satan. It undermines your faith, Mark 11, 23 and 24. The great Brother Hagin scriptures, the ones he wrote, no he didn't write them, you know, About faith, the essence of what faith is whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe you have received them and you shall have them. But the next verse it says, But if you have something against your brother, stand forgiving them or God won't forgive you. And the amazing thing is, this is only the first step. And so many Christians are having trouble going, It's like Molly when she was younger. She just turned a year, ago, a year old a few weeks ago. You know, she look at steps and go. So <laughs> the first step of forgiving, so many Christians, I, I just and there's other steps beyond that God's calling us to. So it's time we take the first step. Because Jesus says, if you're going to follow me, you've got to be willing to take up your cross. Because where I'm going, you're going to have to walk in some things that you're going to ha- may not want to walk in if you're going to follow me. Because right. if we have to follow him, we've got to be willing to do what he did. All right. And there's some things we've got coming down the road for you. That, that, that are going to... We're going to... There's some I'm still working on some of the minor details. But I'm going to put in your hands and we're going to be have a means of actually together learning to walk this out in your life together. On your job. In, with your family. That's where it gets real fun. All right? I'm going to give you some tools where you can learn... And we're going to do this together where you can not just hear a good sermon and take some notes. You're going to have the opportunity to go apply it in your life and it will change this church forever. It will change this church forever, which means it'll change you forever. All right. So we know as Christians that we're supposed to forgive, but do we know why? Matthew chapter five. I never I never used to like reading the Sermon on the Mount. I'm just being honest with you. Because it made me uncomfortable. There were some things I didn't understand, so I don't like reading things I don't understand. But the only way you grow is to read things you don't understand and ask God to give you understanding. But I began to read some things last year that changed my whole attitude towards it. I mean, I'd read it, i preached out of it. I've got it underlined. But it began to open my eyes. Because what Jesus does is Jesus begins His ministry, baptized in the Holy Spirit, begins to call His disciples. He's going about doing healing in all of Galilee, going into all the synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every kind of sickness and every kind of disease, and then a huge crowd gathers. And if you read Matthew 5, the beginning, Jesus, when the crowd gathers, he begins to withdraw up the mountain, and and those, his disciples, and at that point he hadn't called them specifically, they come up with him, and he now starts teaching them about the kingdom of God. He starts laying out what some call the constitution for the, of the kingdom of God. This is what God is like. And He begins by talking about you know, the Beatitudes, and we're not, we're not going to go into that right now. But let's look at Matthew 5, verse 20. Because I'm summing up some of this, because otherwise we we'll, won't... We'll for this I say unto you, unless your righteousness exceeds or goes beyond the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you shall by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Now the Pharisees and the Sadducees were, were always talked about the law. They were in the enforcers of the law and they had taken the Ten Commandments and some other things God said and come up with 613 rules. Some of which they kept and some of which they didn't. And Jesus is saying, no, no, no. What they've told you, if that's what you do it's not enough you've got to go beyond that and then he begins a series of contrasts or comparisons he'll say you have heard it said referring to what they taught him so he talks about you know he talks about uh, uh, you have heard it said and then he says but I say unto you and we're going to look at some of those in a minute so Jesus saying what the law taught you by the way he begins us by saying I did not come I did not come to destroy or remove the law Because there's teaching out there that that's what he did. But I came to fulfill it. Jesus fulfilled the law. And by doing so, he says the law is holy. Because we're taught nowadays, you know, we don't live under the law. We don't live under the law the way the law was used in the Old Testament. But we don't get rid of the law either. Because if we get rid of the law, we live in something called cheap grace. And there's a lot of that teaching out there right now. Grace means God's done everything for us and we just can sit back and do whatever we want, live any way we want, because God loves us so much. And you know where that eventually heads? There's some major teachers out there that have taught if God loves us so much, He would never send anybody to hell because He's a loving God. Now what you're doing is you're taking what the Word says and man's adding his own extrapolation to it and getting way Once you get away from the Word and add man's interpretation and ideas to it, now you begin to open a door, and there's an enemy out there that'll just take you on this rabbit trail and bring many people with you. So we've got to always go back to what Jesus says, to the Word. Amen. So let's look at one of these, a couple of these. Verse 21, You You've heard it said that those of days of old you shall not murder, but whoever murders will be in danger of judgment. But I say it to you, Whoever's angry with his brother, without cause. Now the words without cause are not in some of the best translations, because that waters this down a little bit. So if, if you're angry with your brother, shall be in danger of judgment. Oh, you shall not commit murder. So Jesus is, 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 is equating anger, now that's not a burst of anger, that's holding on to anger. He's equating holding on to anger against somebody as murder. Because I'm sure, I hope 100% of you, there may be an exception, but God loves you, have never physically committed murder in here. But Jesus is raising the standard because he's talking about relationships among the body together. When you hold anger against somebody, he says that's equivalent of murder. We'll we'll see why in a minute. Whoever says to his brother, Raka, probably none of you have ever said Racha (laughs) but the New Living Translation says idiot because Racha was an Aramaic term of derision means stupid empty headed literally so in our parlance in our vernacular it's calling somebody stupid it's calling them a name so that's I didn't really mean it but you've heard it said in days of old. But I say, your righteousness has to exceed the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees. Whoever says you fool shall be in danger of hellfire. Getting quiet in here. Aren't you glad Jesus paid for our sin? Verse 23. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar, and there remember, now this, this applies to worship, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift before the altar, go your way, and first be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer the gift. It goes on to say, agree with your adversary. So what Jesus is saying to you is you cannot worship. I mean, we can sing beautiful songs, tears can come down our cheeks, we can experience our own emotions, but worship is not about you. Worship is not, boy, wasn't that good, I got a lot out of that. Now, Praise and worship, we can praise and thanksgiving. Yeah. But worship is a communion with God, whereby there's a connection with Him. There's a communion with Him that's that's intimate, a loving heart reaching out to Him, and a loving heart of His reaching down and connecting between them. And Jesus is saying that can't happen if you're angry at your brother. Because if you're angry at your brother, you're also angry at God. Because your brother is one with God. This all comes back to this identity. If I'm in Christ, the way you treat me is the way you treat him. If you're in Christ, the way I treat you is the way I treat him. Didn't Jesus say, if you've done it unto the least of these, you've done it unto me? See, brother, the this image, well, Jesus is in heaven, the Holy Spirit's here, and I can do what I want to do down here as long as I love Him, give my tithes, do all those things. No, 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 no. The way we relate to each other is a direct revelation of what we think of Him. Getting very quiet. Yes. I mean, isn't, isn't that what John says? How can you say you love your brother? How, I mean, how can you say you love God when you hate your brother, who God made? And who he gave his son's life for. Right. And who is one with him through Christ. How can you say you hate him? Because to hate him, you've got to hate the Christ he's in. Right. See, when we see each other separate, we can do those things. This is why this is so powerful, an understanding. When we see ourselves separate, then I can do what I want with you. It's, you know, I'll get forgiveness. Pastor Samuel you say, I'll, I'll, I'll murder her now and get forgiveness later. You know, no. It's, what, it's, it's the way we treat each other. We see each other as separate. Christ is in heaven and we're here to relate to each other. No, Christ is here in this room today as we have come together, the body of Christ. It's not a symbol. It is a literal spiritual truth. And so the way we respond, the way we treat, the way we see one another is directly how we see Him. But we want to separate people from Him so we can give them the peace of our mind we can't afford to lose. oh yeah, this is going to get down to where we live and this is just step one <laughs> verse 21 we sing, resolve anger resolve these issues before worshipping our relationship with each other affect our fellowship with God it doesn't affect whether you're saved but it affects your communion with Him and your fellowship with Him it's like having, having a fight with your wife and you walk in the door and the atmosphere is just a little different than it was yesterday all right? not that I've ever experienced that Matthew 5:33 Again you've heard it said in days of old you shall not Whoop I'm in the wrong verse we Matthew Was the right verse this morning Twenty-three. 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 Oh verse 38 is what it should be I gave them 33 You've heard it said an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth that's revenge and the basis of that is just what I said a few minutes earlier an eye for an eye As you did something to me I'm going to do it to you in fact if I'm really clever I'll do it to you before you do it to me if I sense it's coming now listen to this because we an eye and an eye and a tooth for a tooth we all know that you know that's Old Testament stuff I'd never do that but when we refuse to forgive that's what we're doing you hurt me so I'm going to hurt you back, I'm not going to forgive you, I'm going to hold it against you, because you hurt me, that's an eye in an eye, that's revenge, we never think of it in terms of revenge, but Jesus is saying, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes, unless our righteousness exceeds that of the world, unless we have, we'll go by, follow him, we have got to go by his standards, so when we hold things against people, that's revenge, It's getting back at them. Bless God, I'm never going to forgive them. That's not blessing God. And it won't bless you. See, it's not just we're supposed to forgive. We need to understand why forgiveness is is the result of following Him. Otherwise, I can go, all right, I've forgiven everybody in here, so I can now do what I want to do. No, that's just a component of following Him. It is a consequence, it is the fruit of following Him. I can't follow Him if I don't forgive. I can't. Because that's what he's done. And we're going to see how in a minute, because it's going to get more fun. Let's go down to uh, verse 43. Because there's more in 38 I don't want to get into right now. You have heard it said, there he goes again, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, now this is the first time love is used in this sermon. And now he's going to begin to define by practical application what love is, what God's love is like. I say unto you, love your enemies. Well, wait a minute, that doesn't make sense. Because my enemy's trying to hurt me. My enemy's against me. Why would I love my enemies? You've heard it said. That's the Old Testament. But I said, you love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, And pray for those—not that God will get them. Pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. That's heavy stuff. See, eye for an eye is the world's concept of justice. We get what we deserve. And we may, not, we may not physically strike back, but we want them to suffer. And I've been there. Boy, I've, you know, I can't let them off the hook this easily. I have suffered through this. I went through this suffering because of what they did, and I'm going to just let them off the hook that easily? Let's keep reading. Pray for those who spitefully use you. Verse 45. Why? Because this is what you're supposed to do. It's what a good Christian does. No. That you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven, who makes the sun to rise on the evil and the good, sends rain on the just and the unjust. Why do we forgive? Because we're supposed to, yeah, but it's more than that. If you just forgive because you're supposed to, you may have some day when that's just hard to do. And you'll miss it, what Jesus is saying here. Jesus is saying here that when you do this, you're acting like your father. Remember, it's all talking about love. This is what his love is like, and this is what his love did for you and me. Because in each one of these cases, you could put your name in there and his name. We were his enemy, Romans 5 says, while we were yet enemies, Christ died for us, the just for the unjust. While we're ungodly, Christ, God gave His Son's life for us. See, what we, we, we all know that Jesus came so that we could be forgiven, but God, did not, God could not forgive you just because He loves you. Listen carefully. God could not forgive you just because He loves you. Because because that's like we so many parents do. They forgive their children by just looking the other way. Well, that's okay. I know I told you if you did it again, you'd get a spanking. Actually, say spanking in church, my goodness. If you, I, know, I know in love. I know I said that, but, I, you know, I, I just want you to know I love you. But if God did that, he stopped being God. There's a verse in Romans where it says he's, that He might be just and and the justifier of those that are in Christ Jesus. So God had to find a way that He could stay just and holy and not bend His standards and yet redeem you and me. And the only way He could do that is by acting at a level of love that this world can't understand unless it experiences it. God said, I will come, and I will come as an innocent lamb, and I will take everything you deserve on me who deserves none of it. And I will give you what you don't deserve, my righteousness and my holiness. So, in forgiving us, God didn't just say, okay, I forgive you. God paid. He took upon Himself what we did wrong. And when you forgive your brother and sister, what you're doing is you're taking on yourself What they did wrong, and by doing that, you're freeing them of the guilt of it. It is an act of love. I had thought of an example, and then I forgot to do anything about it. And I was going to have Danny, or maybe somebody else I'd want to bless, come up here. I was going to bring one of our trash bags from home, filled with trash. And I was going to carry it around, because what happens is, the reason people hurt you is they're hurting the reason people are hurt, hurt you, even Christians, is because there's something wrong inside of them. And so what happens is because they're hurting and they're carrying this hurt around, when they run into us, the garbage that's in their trash can comes out on us. So what do we want to do? We want to pick the garbage up and give it back to them because it's their garbage and I didn't deserve that garbage. It's their garbage, so I'm going to throw it back on them because they should have had better control of it than to spill some of it over on me. But what the cross does is the cross says, because I love you and because I love Jesus, pour that garbage out on me I'll bear your garbage so that you can be free of it. But I'm telling you, you step into this, then you step into Christ at another level. You step into the experience of His love flowing out of you at another level. I've done that in cases with people. I had somebody come up to me a while ago that was offended by something I didn't even know I had done. This was a long time ago. I was in a restaurant somewhere, and they happened to see me. You could tell by the look in their eyes they were kind of awkward because they see, I wasn't awkward with them, they were awkward with me. And so they couldn't avoid me, so they came over, and he says, I've been mad at you ever since, and you did so and so and so and so and so and so. And I know the reality is he had it backwards. All right? So he was wrong. But it's what he thought happened. So instead of arguing with him, I just said, Brother, I'm sorry. I didn't argue, didn't defend myself. It wasn't about me. It was about what's going on in his life and the something between us. And I said, brother, I'm sorry. If I failed you in some way, I did not mean to do that. Would you please forgive me? It diffused the whole thing. It diffused the whole thing. But I've got to be willing to take the blame when I don't deserve it. And you know, as Christians in ministry together, as Christians in church together, we're going to bump into each other. That's what you learn in a family when you have more than one child, right? They bump into each other. And and, and God's... uh, (laughs) Oh, Lord. I'm not even halfway through this part of the message. But this is so important. Years ago, we had another dog, Mandy, and... And she was unruly, and it's a long story. And and, and so I decided to take her to obedience school so that she'd learn obedience. And I discovered the first day it was not for her to learn obedience. It was for me to learn obedience so I could teach her obedience. And in this class, she was the smallest dog by far. And there was two big bunch of German shepherds, and in most cases, they were women that had brought the German shepherds in. And I knew the situation is the father was frustrated with it, so he told her to take the dog on Saturday so he could go play golf or something. So he'd take her to take the dog and get the dog straightened out. So you got these two German shepherds at a break are going at each other. And the women are trying to pull these dogs apart. See, that's our instinct is to avoid the conflict. And the owner came over and said, no, 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 no. And he took the dogs by their, by their, by their leashes and he, he brought them together face to face, like that. And he just shook them like this and picked them up and said, no, and put them down. And they both looked at him like this. He said, if we don't confront that now, this will be a distraction throughout all the classes. I learned a lesson. I don't like conflict. But we can't let. But when there's, we're going to bump into each other. We're going to disagree. We're going to misunderstand each other, all right. But when we do that, we got to deal with the issue, and it starts by forgiveness—not who's right or who's wrong. You notice how few times God cares about who's right. Yeah. Jesus' commandment is, and this is my commandment: that you always be right. Isn't that what it says? I thought that's what It must be, because that's the way most Christians are. This is my commandment. Well, you're not right. I'm right about this. This is... No, 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 no. This is my commandment that you love one another. And just so there's no mistaking it, as I have loved you. Now, let's talk about who's right and who's wrong between me and Jesus. He's always right. And where there's a disagreement, I'm always wrong. But that doesn't block our relationship. And what's important here, this is my heart's cry, is that we not just hear this as we're supposed to forgive each other because that's the fruit of it. You've got to understand the root of it is following Him. And to follow Him, I've got to be willing to take up my cross and it begins in our relationships with one another because if we can't do that, we're not going to be able to have Him love the world through us. Because they offend us automatically by nature. Yes. Yes. While we were at the wedding, I was... And I'm going to have to end here because I'm not half done with the first half. <laughs> I was riding... You know, you know, we had to go... The wedding was at a different site than where we were staying. And, and the wedding party went over ahead of time. And I'm, the, I'm giving them... I'm marrying them, but I'm not part of the wedding party technically. So while I'm riding in a van... With a bunch of my, friend, my son's friends from LA. And they're all, it's all this superficial chatty stuff about who's playing golf where, and, and I'm getting angry, all right? <laughs> I'm getting angry, you know, and I'm fuming inside of me. And, you know, and, and, and God starts dealing with me. I'm not saying anything because I can fume without saying anything. I'm just, I'm angry that these people all need to go to hell. My goodness, you know, they're so superficial. I'm, I'm telling you, it's hot. <laughs> it's 90 degrees and 90% humidity and I'm hot. I'm tired. I just want to, I want to go to my son's wedding, and we're riding in this van. It's in a traffic jam on some old dirt road in the jungle. It's like, why are we here? Why can't we do this in a church at home? You know blah, 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 I'm telling you, i honest with you. Sitting there fuming. God, these people. The chatter in the back. Is, and my real concern is, I hope this isn't influencing my son. And I'm thinking, bah, 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 and I hear God speak to me. What do you think they're going to do? I said, what do you mean? He said, they're sinners. I said, yeah. He said, what do you think sinners do? They sin. He said, now how do you think I'm looking at them right now? You think I'm fuming because of what they're doing? I said, no, sir. He said, you're in here right now. You're the only godly influence in this van. And you're acting in a very ungodly way. How am I going to be able to touch them through you if you sit here angry at them and judging them I'm sorry <laughs> I repent <laughs> and that's with unbelievers but we got to take the first step with each other we got to take the first step with each other One last scripture, then we'll have to end. And that will end this. Romans 12. Romans 12 starts by saying, as a result of God's mercy, there's two things we need to do. We need to present our bodies a living sacrifice, and then we need to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And the rest of that chapter is an application of how we are transformed and how we need to think differently. So here's, we're going to look at verse 17. Repay no one, evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much depends on you, live peaceably with all men, which means I can live peaceably with you. You may not be peaceable with me, but I can be peaceable. I can't tell the people that have left this church for one reason or another and I meet them somewhere and I'm I'm glad to see them and they don't want to look in my eyes. Do not avenge yourself, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. See, the payment for what's done wrong is not our responsibility, it's not our right, it's only His. I will repay, says the Lord. You know why He can repay? Remember Jesus, oh Lord, remember the woman the woman caught in the act of adultery, and the, the scribes, they want to trick him, so they come and they throw her down at his feet, and says, Moses says that when somebody's caught in the act of adultery, they're to be stoned, what do you say? They're trying to trap him, because he's talking about love and grace, they're trying to trap him, and Jesus' way of dealing with it is so, so, so wonderful, because he gets down, he, just, he says, All right, you're right. That's exactly what—that's exactly what the law says. that, That if somebody commits adultery, they deserve to be stoned. Now let's talk about who has the right to to be the one that carries out the judgment. So here's the requirement: He who was out without sin, pick up and throw the first stone. Vengeance is mine says the Lord. It's my business, the judgment and punishment. It's not a right that you have. It's my right. Why? Because I'm the one that loves them. You don't. I'm the one that's already paid for what they've done. You don't have that right because you haven't paid for what they've done. I have. So I'm the only one that has the right. James says it this way. When you judge somebody else, you're putting yourself in the place of the judge himself, the lawgiver. So when we judge, there's a proper judgment, we're not about judging someone for what they've done wrong, we're literally putting ourselves in God's place. Whoa. 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 If your enemy's hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. Something won't hurt him. (laughs) Not something with strychnine in it. For in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Verse 21. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with your petitions, with your protests, with your placards. No. Overcome evil with good. Now look, I saw this this morning as I was going through it when we refuse to forgive someone we're becoming overcome by their evil when we refuse to forgive then whatever bothering them, whatever they've done wrong is now overcoming the good that's in me whereas to walk in love toward them Gives the opportunity that the God, the love of God that's in me, will begin to break through the hurt, break through the sin, and begin to love them. I've watched. This is why First Corinthians thirteen says, "Love never fails. Love is the most powerful force in the universe because it is the character and nature." of God and when we walk in this kind of love then we're allowing the love of God that's in us for those people to be released through us then God can redeem and save through their lives yes. God's heart is redemption but redemption always requires that their price be paid and I'll end with this story a relative of mine had been given by an earlier relative a valuable ring and got into financial difficulty, and so they pawned the ring. And when I found out about it, I wasn't angry, because I understood why they did it. But my heart was, that person that gave it to them wanted them to have it. So I went down to the pawn shop, and I bought that ring back. I paid their debt, and then I gave the ring to the person that owed the debt. That's what redemption is. And God's heart is to redeem that nasty boss. God's heart is to redeem that brother or sister in Christ who hasn't treated you right. God, and the, but the only way to redeem that, His love already has, but their experience of His love has got to come through you and me. And now you see why Satan works so hard. He knows that we all use the, the expression, he knows the buttons to push. Well, I've only got one button. It's my belly button, all right? But what it means is he knows us to know what can get at our flesh. But as you begin to walk in this, it becomes easier and easier and easier because you experience the life of God in you because his life is this kind of love. His love isn't just, you know, good to see you this morning. Denny, how you been? And I don't really mean it. I, I mean it, but you know All right? That's what I've said before. He just rang in me the other day when we were talking on a Sunday morning here. We've got to get past the place of just getting along. It's not just getting along. I can get along if you sit over there and I sit over here. We can get along. We just don't get run into each other. All right? We're not called to get along. We're one body. We're one body. We're one body. And that body is his. In order to follow him. Jesus said, I have to be able to bear your cross. I have to be willing to take your hurt when it's expressed against me, when your garbage spills out on me, instead of throwing it back at you because I didn't deserve that garbage. I've got to be willing to help you, relieve you of that bag of trash so that you can be free. But as I do that, I'm not going to end up with that trash all over me because I'm stepping into the love of God that cleanses and frees and sets free we need to end here this is just the first this is the baby step this is the baby step this is the baby step we have some growing to do together Father we thank you today Lord I want to take a moment right now and I want to allow your Holy Spirit to begin to to touch our hearts yeah sure maybe there's someone here this, maybe you're here this morning and there's probably many people and as as you've been listening to this you may be aware of something that someone you haven't forgiven maybe it's somebody that's asked you to forgive them and, and you may have said the words but your heart wasn't really in it because every time you see them or hear their name there's a twinge in you it's because it's not fully released yet because you may have forgiven them with your mind but you've not understood what forgiveness was I'm willing because I love them to bear on me that what they've done that, I, that they may be free because Jesus did that for me maybe there's somebody that you're angry at and they've never asked you to forgive them and you may never have a chance to do that physically with them or maybe it's a relative that has already gone they're already died. But there's an anger in you. There's unforgiveness in you. Here's what I believe God wants you to do. In the moment we're going to take now, either God's going to give you an idea, or you're going to get some idea of, of somehow where you can take a step to resolve that. Maybe you have to pick up a phone. I had God do with me two years ago. Somebody, I did something. Thirty years ago that deeply hurt them, and I had forgotten all about them, how it affected them, and God dealt with me to call them and ask for their forgiveness thirty years later and it wasn 't easy to find them, and I was trying to find every excuse I could why i couldn 't find them and but God said that you've got to do the best you can, and I finally made connection with them, and the moment I said to them i 'm sorry for what I did, I forgive you' I felt such a release in me and that person was so gracious so kind I'm telling you this is so important so whatever you're thinking of whoever it is right now God's going to give you something to do whether it's to write a letter an email to open something up and if this is somebody that's already gone on he may have you just write a letter to them even though they're gone may write a letter to them but pour your heart out to them and ask for forgiveness forgiveness or if they need to forgive you you need to receive their, for, their you need to forgive them that's what I'm talking about take just a moment let the Holy Spirit work this is so crucial